You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. It's a Thursday edition. As always, a Thursday edition, another special edition, though. Joined again by Dr. Jesse Morse, co-host of the Dynasty of the Fantasy Doctors podcast. Welcome back, doctor. Thank you. A lot's going on with the coronavirus, and I didn't, I tried really hard to, to not talk about the coronavirus. I wanted to, to be a football podcast that could keep that stuff away and that could maybe even be a distraction. I don't know, a distraction for at least a couple people to not have to worry about that for 15 or 20 minutes out of their day. But the fact of the matter is it's here. Wednesday, yesterday, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus an outbreak, a, a, a pandemic. That's like multiple people in multiple countries, right? What's the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic? The pandemic means the whole world, basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, not long after the NCAA tournament was announced to be played without fans that evening, uh, the evening after, uh, no, Wednesday evening, yeah, 9 p.m., the President of the United States speaks from the Resolute Desk saying there's going to be significant restriction of travel to and from Europe. Not long after, not related to football, Tom Hanks announces Tom Hanks is in Australia and him and his wife have the coronavirus. Nine o'clock, the president speaks. Nine fourteen, Tom Hanks makes the announcement that he is also ill. Fifteen minutes later, the NBA is suspending their entire season because Rudy Gobert is it Gobert, 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 yep, yeah, joked with the media about he joked with the media about touching all the microphones. Turns out he's got the coronavirus. He's the first one. So the NBA has suspended. He won't be the last. He won't be the. He's not the last. It's already done. There's already another one. Correct. So the NBA has suspended their entire season because of the coronavirus, and there's no way around it. We have got to acknowledge that it's here, that it's affecting, it's affecting the sports world, and, and it's affecting so much more than that. I don't want to seem insensitive to that. Like It's not just, oh, it affects football, so it affects me. It's so much bigger than that, but I guess I'm talking about it because it has finally made its way here. Does that make sense? Is that insensitive? No, I mean, unfortunately... Um this virus has uh, literally taken the country and world by storm. Um, and this is uh, something that, that, that I, and, and I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit, that maybe we could have got ahead of. Uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's too late. And, and now um, this, this threat in, is real and the imminent threat is real. Um, it's going to be a lot scarier for certain people other than others, but we really don't know how fast and how far this is going to go until we look in hindsight. Well, let's address it now. Before we get into the effects that the coronavirus may have on the NFL, when I look at the way that Rudy was was acting over the past several days, on Monday, was I, meant, I just mentioned that, that Monday he was in a press conference, he wasn't feeling well, he made sure to touch every microphone and every recorder on the desk in front of him. And now we come to find out he's careless in the locker room. Woj, uh, Adrian, would, I can't say his last name. 
Woj ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, Woj. Donovan Mitchell has it now. And they're saying that Rudy was careless in the locker room, touching everything, touching everything. I mean, it's like he didn't even care. How much responsibility, like, let's just talk about about that stuff, because you had mentioned that we could control this better. We could have maybe handled this better up front. How much responsibility does Rudy bear? And how can we use that as an example to keep ourselves safe? Let's just let's just do that first before we talk about football. So um, I think this is a failure, uh, a failure of um, of the chain of command uh, to uh, take this seriously. Uh, I will use a country like South uh, Korea, who took this very seriously, and as a result has had it under control and their, the mortality rate of this is a mere 0.6%. Whereas a country that did not take it very seriously, like Italy, their mortality rate is almost 4.5%. Massive increase. Compare that to the mortality rate of the regular flu, which is 0.1%. Okay? Big, big difference. Uh, the This is uh, a mucus uh, and droplet uh, transmitted disease, meaning that uh, you touch your lips, you sweat, uh, your sweat falls onto a surface. The issue with this virus is that it can live up to five days wait, 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 on wait. the surface without dying. Your sweat? Yes, just HIV. It's, it's lower numbers, obviously, but that's why you have to be cognizant and wipe things down. That's why we're not touching our face because we have a lot of um, uh, mucus and, 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 and skin and oil, you know, transference in the face, uh, in the mouth, uh, on the lips. So as uh, tears, uh, so on and so forth, these all have, have, have the virus in it. That's the nature of this virus. So that's a, not just the, some of these viruses. This, this one falls into that category. So that's the problem when you, you need what we call droplet precaution. Meaning, if you've ever seen someone wearing one of those yellow paper suits in a hospital, that's droplet precaution. Um, uh, you, uh, oh, that's contact precaution. A droplet is when you wear a mask. So you put the two together, um, and uh, you're trying to minimize the risk of transferring the virus to other people. So you're, you're protecting your skin. You're protecting your, your hands, which have a lot of uh, um, openings that you can transmit the virus to. Um, and the problem is, is the virus is unlike, say, the regular flu uh, in the regard that if you have the regular flu, you get symptoms pretty quickly, within a couple of days, uh, and you may have symptoms within a week, and, and the whole course may be done in two weeks for the regular flu. This has what we call an incubation period for up to 27 days. So that means you could get it on the 1st of February and may not show symptoms to the end of February. Uh, that whole time, you could technically be spreading that virus. That's the problem with this, is that um, uh, you kind of have to start at the beginning. There's actually, I don't particularly like to promote anything in particular, but th there's a really good article that uh, people would appreciate, and it kind of, it's long, but it's, it's helpful. Uh, it's, it's on actually medium.com, um, and, and it demonstrates kind of when all this started. So the early cases in China were in December 8th, 2019, was the first reported case in hindsight. Uh, they didn't identify it uh, until uh, the end, but really the 26th, the day after Christmas, there was four abnormal cases of pneumonia uh, 
in China that was noticed by a specific doctor, and then they started realizing that something was off. This was weird. They finally um, identified the strain of this specific virus on January 7th. The first test to confirm, uh, to, to check to see if someone is positive was available on January 13th. Okay. Also known as two months ago tomorrow. Ooh. Okay. Whoa. Two months ago. The China was very smart in that after they saw this starting to spread like crazy, they uh, shut down not only the main city, Wuhan City, on the 23rd of January, but they then shut down another 15, five nearby cities next day. As a result, uh, the true number of new cases immediately plummeted. Uh, and it's been indirectly going down all new cases as a result of that in China. The problem is not only is it airborne, but things from China are going to be around the world. You're probably wearing something from China right now. Yeah, probably. And people that are there are indirectly going to spread throughout the world. That's the nature of our travel. So when you have something that's droplet, um, you're going to get it around the world very quickly because you're coughing on the plane. Uh, the plane gets recycled air relatively. Um, you then hypothetically give it to 50 or 100 other people. They then hop on a plane and go somewhere else in the world. And now you can see why a virus that was on one small area in China can spread throughout the world in, world in less than uh, two months, you know, with the nature of our travel these days. Um, the initial issue with that, like Italy, we really didn't take this seriously. There was a separate article that came out yesterday that was in the New York, from the New York Times that demonstrated that there was a first case documented on the last week of January in Seattle area. Okay, there, the, the Seattle flu study. There was a couple uh, epidemiologists that were evaluating the flu study, and they realized that something was a little off. They checked someone, and they confirmed that there was indeed a flu study, uh, a flu, a patient positive for corona that was in the, in Washington state. They had not been anywhere outside of the country. They had not interacted with anybody that they were aware of that had the uh, coronavirus. So that means at that time, in late January, the coronavirus was already on American soil. However, it got there, we don't know. Probably product, probably uh, interaction. Okay. The problem was they attempted to get a kit approved to test this uh, through the CDC, who then uh, handed them over to the FDA, who then said, no, you are a lab only for research and you are not allowed to test, and they shut them down. At well, that point, they had so much red tape, they were not able to really do anything. They eventually pushed a little harder, did a little stuff behind the scenes, and they confirmed that indeed this was coronavirus, the same similar uh, uh, virus as China, and we have, and you can see where we're at now. So that's a lot to take in, I know, yeah. but the writing is on the wall. Uh, it, it's there. Um, Italy has really, really taken it hard, uh, predominantly because our uh, healthcare systems are not meant to take uh, a five or a thousand percent 
increase in significant uh, pulmonary infections over a short period of time. If you do that over a year, we can handle that. You cannot do that over a week. Uh, you're so, going to start spreading to the, the physicians, and then they can't even treat you. So that's the, that's the question. Is this virus scary because it's a deadly virus, or is it is it scary because it can infect a lot of people very quickly and it overwhelms the system? Which, like, I don't want to... It's more overwhelming to the system than it is scary for death concern. Okay. Okay. So this is a matter of a lot um, of people getting really sick all the same. This is not like... I'm trying to think of a virus... like. I don't want to downplay it, but I am trying to understand it. This is not like if, if you get it, you're going to die. That's not the situation at all. Correct. You're, you're not, this is not Ebola. This is not yes. to okay. that level. The, the death rate is not that high. The problem with this is even if, uh, and there's some data to show that about 15% of people who get this are going to require uh, ventilation in the form of uh, breathing uh, assistance for breathing. The problem with that is if you, uh, yeah, most hospitals have anywhere from 20 to probably 30 vent systems, okay. depending on unless it's a massive hospital. If you have 100 people that require that assistance, what do you do with the other 70? Yeah. Wow. You're going to spread it throughout the hospital because they don't have, they're not properly equipped. Um, and, and as a result, they're starting, we've noticed that any, any crowd, any larger crowd, there's a higher risk of spreading it because within six feet, um, is when the highest risk of droplet. So that's where they yeah. stay six feet. Um, and, and now they're starting to cancel large mass gatherings, uh, Coachella, uh, South by Southwest, yes. uh, Ultra down here in Florida, all concerts. Now we're starting to talk about the NBA as of last night, uh, the uh, March Madness, and uh, they just canceled, um, as we speak, the uh, SEC, American, yeah. and uh, Big Ten, I think, I'm really glad uh, you brought I mean, that up. Right. Yeah, yeah. The Big Ten, uh, I, I expected it to be this empty. The NBA last night forces this issue. I I expected the the championship to be this weird, awkward game in a really small stadium, like uh, like a I'm in Indiana, so like a Butler University or an IU, not a big fat stadium with family members and and only important people. I expected that. But now when you talk about the, the transfer of sweat and we see that the NBA overnight has now two cases, yeah, the Big Ten tournament is canceled. It's done. That's why when Rudy Gobert was touching things, that's why that was such a big deal. Because it, it's not simply the transfer of blood. Yeah. It's the transfer of spit or sweat. When you talk about that, that's really hard to control. Yeah. You know, I think about when you're in uh, in a stadium watching a, a match or a show or, or whatever, regardless of what you're looking at, there is going to be some contact. There is going to be some spitting. There is going to be some breathing within other people. And if one person has it, there is a very good chance that the people around them, one of them may catch it or several. Um, and if you're lucky and you have a fantastic immune system, it's no big deal. But what if you're on chemo? What if you had an autoimmune system? What if you happen to give it to your grandmother who's 70? That's the problem. What if you give it to your grandma who's you know? 70? That's the problem. Correct. So are you, are you talking about killing an entire uh, generation, so to speak? Who, 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 there's uh, a lot of them because we're living longer and longer now. And these people naturally have weakened immune systems. So, so the problem is they're not going to be able to fight it. 
you know, and, 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 and it's irresponsible to think that, oh, let's just continue on with life. Unfortunately, uh, the economics of this, uh, economics of this are going to be insane. And they already are going to be insane, but they're really going to be insane. Because you're starting to talk about uh, people not working. You're starting to talk about, well, the, the, the banks don't care. They want their mortgage. Yeah. No, the electric company doesn't care. They want their bill. So Italy actually temporarily postponed all um, all mortgages. Oh, wow. Uh, payment payment wow. as a result. Yeah. I mean, so you can see where this snowball is getting bigger by the minute. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and everybody thinks they're immune to it until someone famous or someone they know gets it. And they're like, whoa, I, I, I'm not superhuman. I can get it. I'm guilty of that, you know, man. And, and, I'm guilty of it. And, you know, I, and most, most people are. I, I hate to say it, but last night when I saw that Tom Hanks tweeted that him and his wife have coronavirus, I thought, oh my God, it's, American, it's an American idol sick with the coronavirus, which I just earlier said in the day, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, doctor. I just earlier said in the day, I've decided I'm not as worried about the coronavirus as most people are. And, and here, and then immediately that fast, I realized, holy crap, it's here. It can affect me. It's the toilet paper jokes aren't just jokes anymore. Like, like there's gonna, the, the problem is, is it makes me realize that there are ramifications outside of just me being sick or me getting someone else sick. Like just being sick isn't, isn't the thing. It, it made it real. It's a, it's a shame. It's a shame that I felt that Correct. way. It's a shame that I felt that way. I know that I was wrong. Well, that's the problem. And then most people wanted to, to bury it underneath the rug. The problem was, I think we could have gotten ahead of this if we took it more seriously. Yeah. That's why South Korea is such a good example. They took it seriously. And as a result, they were able to quarantine anybody who, who was positive and not allow them to spread it. But if you don't have tests available to, to uh, quarantine, you know, to tell people that they have it, to allow them to quarantine, then you're going to, it's going to be, they're going to spread it. But there's a fascinating chart on Business Insider, one of their articles that came out, I think it was yesterday, the day before. It demonstrates that in South Korea, there is a population of a little over 50 million. So about a sixth of the United States, a little bit less than that. There are 3,700 tests per million people, okay, available for this coronavirus. You know how many there are were in, in the United States as of three days ago? Yeah. Five, five per million. Wow. And we have 330 million people. So the problem is, it's not that we can't treat it, that we don't know who has it. So here, we don't this, is, know this works out. Problem. This works out well. I'm sorry to talk over you, doctor, but, but we have that's talked right. about how it's more of an issue of containment than it is immediate life-threatening danger. It's more of, and, 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 and I think if I can elaborate on that, what we meant by that was if you are ill and don't have access to the equipment that you need the risk goes significantly higher than it otherwise would. So the issue is limiting the ill so that they can get the treatment they need so that it doesn't become a life-threatening condition. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So um, what we're seeing is, 
It's it's rolling in right now. I mean, it's crazy. Almost, I almost feel like we should have waited till tomorrow to do this. But at the same time, I'm glad we're doing it as it happens. It's the first time I've ever done anything as it happens. But but right now, the Redskins have right before we hit record, the Redskins came out publicly saying that they were basically grounding their coaches. You're not going to pro days. You're not doing anything. You're staying in Washington. Now, so so uh, I'm going to elaborate on that real quick, and you're going to see why. Because this is the way I think. This is why this is a big deal. So what if someone happens to give one of those coaches corona? They don't know it. They're not aware. They don't have any symptoms. The first week you have mild cough, a little maybe a little low-grade fever, some muscle aches, nothing overly specific. So you transfer. Now they fly back to home base. They happen to be around some of their pro athletes. And they happen to get it to five of their pros. And one of their pros really, really can't tolerate it. And they get really sick. And they can't fight this, or they really take six months to fight this, or, or, or even six weeks to fight this. That single handedly affected the franchise. Yeah. That's the problem. You know, if, if you're talking about, you know, maybe maybe it's uh, the Chiefs and, and talking about Patrick Mahomes, you know, it, it, it may be just a bench warmer and, and maybe, quote unquote, not a big deal. But what if it's not? What if you're, what if you're your all-star center on, on the Utah Jets? Right. What right. if you're your all-star point guard? Right. Jonathan Mitchell. You know, like, that's the problem is that this doesn't care. It may not negatively affect the immune system of that 20-year-old because the average age of death in China was 69. That's not, you know, that's not the age population. But we can serve as vectors, as vehicles for transmission. Yeah. That's the issue. So the Redskins have come out and said it. The Giants are among the teams pulling coaches off the road. What's going to happen with the draft? I mean... Yeah. I, originally, I thought that like the I thought that the the NCAA tournament would continue in this weird fashion where they were playing ball and all you could hear was the squeak of their sneakers and the swish of the internet because there would be no fans screaming. But now it's canceled. So is the what's going on with the draft? I mean, a lot of people were expected in Vegas. It was a big to do. There's a lot of reason why it was a big to do. Is the the draft's going to happen? Right. I mean. What? So I wouldn't be surprised if they had only the immediate people in the room with no fans. Yeah, yeah, that's I what would I'm not expecting. Be surprised if they did that. I thought about because it this I morning. Feel like they still have to have it, you know. Well, you have to have the draft. I thought about it this morning, and I thought about all those players who. Like there are early players that stay at home and I can't think of one like off the top of my head, but they stay at home and they have friends and they have family over for them, for their, I made yeah. it, you know, for their, I made it story. You know, the guys that came of from course. nothing, a lot of times they stay at home with their friends and their family. I Yeah. That's, that's common for the guys that aren't first or second or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, first or second round pick they're expected to be. Is that, is it, is there a potential that there will be Roger Goodell standing at a podium in a room with nobody else? Is that the potential outcome of this? I think it is. I think uh, so. Here, the goal should be 
to minimize risk, period. The goal is to minimize risk by spreading. You can't minimize risk in large groups of people. You can't minimize risk without knowing who has it and who doesn't. Until we have uh, millions of kits available, we won't know. Here's, I'm going to throw one wrinkle into this that's going to kind of blow your mind a little bit. Okay. This is not one of those viruses that once you get it, you're done. You can get it again. Right. There's been reports, right? That's happened already. uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't personally seen any, but I would not be surprised. Well, I saw it on the internet, Um, so it's true, doctor. Okay. (laughs) Be careful what you read, but believe it or not, there's a lot of good stuff on there, too. Um, there, uh, I'm going to add a couple other, a uh, little bit of medical wrinkles into this that are based off of an infectious disease. That's the type of doctor that treats us. Um, conference that happened on Monday in California. One of my friends happens to know one of the doctors that was there. So they made kind of cliff notes, so to speak, and they're on my Twitter handle if you want them, but um, that basically took as a, a conference to discuss how we're treating this, how is it presenting, how should we approach it? So it's, it's hard actual facts and data for people that are treating it in California and people that were treating it in Seattle. Okay, this is as of this week. The gist of it is that there is a med that has been effective for it. They have been getting it through what we call compassionate use by Gilead, one of the big uh, science companies, because it's probably a crazy expensive med. Um, the turnaround has been about 24 to 48 hours to get uh, a positive test. Uh, obviously, we saw it happen a lot faster with uh, some of the pros, but I think the regular tests take about that time sure. unless they're speeding up the recovery. The other thing that's fascinating, that's concerning, is that um, you can technically shed this virus in your sweat for from one for four weeks after your symptoms resolve. Wow. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Okay, so, so one to four weeks after week you're here. otherwise healthy. Like you feel healthy, you feel fine, Correct. everything's okay. For four more weeks, Correct. you're a freaking time bomb. So we, we're waiting to confirm uh, how infectious you are. But wow. the RNA um, is still active for up to four weeks. We don't know the correlation, or if they, we do know, I don't know it, the correlation of how high that RNA level is to being possibly infectious. So that adds another wrinkle. You are cleared of isolation, meaning wearing a mask or, or having you put down on, after two consecutive RNA tests over 24 hours apart. So this is not a two-day thing. This is probably a two to three week thing once you're diagnosed. Okay. Okay. Whether or not you are uh, healthy, so to speak, and, and, and you have a mild case of it, or you're one of the unfortunate few that has a severe case. Currently, about 14% of the cases are uh, becoming hospitalized. About 5% are requiring ICU and uh, intubation, breathing assistance, to give you an idea. Uh, that's based on China data. Uh, the doubling time takes about seven to ten days, um, and and there is expected to be about a hundred million cases in America. If I were to guess, if I were to see based on the data, 
Um, but what's, only about 5% are going to require hospitalization. What's the population? Uh, what's that compared to the population? Do, do you know that off the top that's, of your head? Uh, that's a, 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 about a third. Okay. One in three people. About around, around 30-ish percent. Okay. Uh, there, the, the, I believe it was the CDC, the head of the CDC or one of the head doctors, CDC said anywhere from 40 to 70% of America is expected to get this. That's insane. That's insane. So I, I, it's, it's crazy. As you were speaking, the Jets also announced that they're pulling all coaches off the road. The Redskins, the Giants, the Jets. Yeah. We're at almost they're, 10. They're all falling. Yeah. We're at almost 10% yeah. of the NFL right now. I'm telling you what, by the end of this evening, the entire yeah. NFL I mean, will, will be pulling their coaches off the road. What about Pro Day? Think about Tua. Tua is a guy that I wanted. I'm so glad. And honestly, this is like a really bittersweet thing to say to you. We tried to get together last week or the week before, and I wanted to talk about Tua. And it just didn't work out for us for schedule wise. Now, here we are talking, and I want to talk about Tua. And now, I want to talk about Tua's pro day, but here we are in a situation where Tua might have a pro day where nobody else is there. It's no different than his family making film and sending it to the coaches. What's going to happen with these pro days on the on the players that didn't work out to the combine? I mean, I'm freaked out about the idea that there are some players that didn't work out at the combine that will not have an opportunity to have a pro day like Tua, who I think needed that to make his make his case to be a top five selection still. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are some that uh, either won't get the uh, exposure uh, that they deserve, or won't get the insight that they deserve. You know, uh, some of the coaches, I know Belichick in particular, it just pops into my head. He goes to these random pro days that no one knows he's going, and he just shows up and he starts talking to the player, and he's like, "Holy Jesus, you're Bill Belichick!" Right. Uh, they, they may not have the luxury of being able to do that right now. And that may may decide, oh, I'm going to go for this guy or no, I, I don't know enough about him. You know, I don't feel comfortable with spending X million number, you know, million dollars in draft pick capital to do that. So, I mean, I, I, Tua, um, Tua is, uh, let's put it this way, given the severity of his injury, he has healed, his, from what we know, from what they told us, pretty much as perfectly as we can be. Okay. So right now, um, it's pretty much as good as it possibly can be. He is healing, but there's a couple things we have to take into consideration and that the coaching staff is likely or should be also taken into consideration. One of which is the lack of mobility and the buildup of scar tissue in the building of arthritis, that's almost going to be inevitable. It's called reactive arthritis. It's inevitable. It's going to happen as a result of his traumatic injury, as a result of his fractured dislocation. So will he be 100% of the player he was supposed to be? I don't know. Is there a chance he's 70%? Yes. Is there a chance that he, he, he uh, does fine and you never realize he ever did it? Yes. But when you're spending a top five pick on him, hypothetically, you want reassurances and that's a little risky. So as a result of that, I don't think he will go in the top five unless um, the teams that are interested, it sounds like predominantly Miami, 
um, are willing to roll the dice and say, I think that this hit is healed enough and will not give him enough issues in his early part of his career to justify taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm at with that. Sure. That makes perfect sense. All right. So pro days are going to be affected, but we talked about how in, in China, the first case we believe happened in December. Now here we Mm -hmm. are in March. My dogs are making an appearance on the podcast today. Now here we are in March. What's the timeline like for the United States? Is this going to linger on into practices and preseasons? So here's the thing. That's not an easy answer. Because unlike China, where they basically shut down 16 cities over the period of two days, we don't have that luxury in America. We can't shut down the city and prevent one city and prevent spread. That The reason why China was able to get it under control is because that's where it started. They identified it, they quarantined it, and for the rest of the country, the majority of the new cases basically stopped or, or came to a strong halt. Now the rest of the world is catching up. Um, the data is showing uh, that uh, Spain, France, Iran, Germany, uh, Japan, and Switzerland have already been locked down in addition to China. What we know is that if a, com- if a country takes this seriously, the fatality rate drops to anywhere from 0.5, which is South Korea, to 0.9, which is the rest of China besides uh, where it started. Whereas the countries that are overwhelmed will have a fatality rate anywhere from three to five percent. Three to five percent is massive. Yeah. Uh, that is a lot of people. If a million people die in America as a result of this, that's a very extreme example, but we're talking hypothetical. That would be catastrophic. So, that's the importance of getting this under control quickly. That's why large sporting events, large concerts, anything large should be recommended to stop temporarily to prevent spread until we can uh, isolate the people that have it and, and going from, you know, so on and so forth. Once we know who has it and who doesn't have it, then, then we can move on with life. But until we do, we can't. We, we don't have that luxury. Sure. Do you have time for another uh, question? I do. I'm going to make one more statement, and then, then we'll go on to the last one. Okay, go ahead. The, 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 this, this is kind of a crazy statement, but it's, I have a feeling it's, it's, it's very strongly true. Countries that act fast reduce the number of deaths by at least 10 times. 10 times? Okay. 10 times. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That's, this is a, that's what I said. Move, canceling March Madness, halting the NBA. These are major power moves. Billions of dollars are going to be moved or lost or everything. But that, this is a greater good thing, unfortunately. Yeah. I know we love our sports, but this is bigger than that, unfortunately. So with that in mind, and I agree with you, it's so selfish of me 
to be upset. I don't even like basketball, okay? I'm not even a basketball guy, and I'm all bent out of shape about March Madness being canceled. But I understand the reality. I understand what you're telling me makes so much more sense. It's not about me. I can lay on my futon in my basement for 14 days if I get sick with this horrible virus. I can probably get through it. I'm a 32-year-old, 31-year-old, otherwise healthy adult person. I think I'll be okay. It, it, it's such a selfish thing, man. And I'm so sorry to have to admit that out loud. You're so right. It's about the people that I could give the virus to. It's about the people they could give the virus to. I mean, it's about, this. it's becoming a global issue. So now I'm actually adding another question. What's the answer? Is there an answer? Is it, is it, is the answer that we'll develop a vaccine much like we have a flu vaccine and that over the course of a great number of years, this will become much like an influenza virus. Is that the long-term end game here? Yes. Okay. Here's the issue. Viruses, uh, vaccinations take a long time to generate. It's not the actual vaccination. That from what I understand, is actually pretty straightforward. It's the testing that goes into the vaccinations to make sure that we're not giving someone yeah. something else. I was just reading last night. Are we giving them cancer? Yes. Are we giving them, you know, immune immunosuppression where they're more, you know, uh, susceptible to herpes or whatever? I was I just mean, reading last whatever night. Whatever example. I don't mean to, like, make a animal stance here, but I know that we have to test these things on something. We test them on mice. That's the that's the USA standard, from what I understand it. And it's not just any mice. You can't just go to Petco and buy all the mice they have and inject them with the virus and then try to fix it. They are specifically genetically modified mice to, from what I understand, and I read it on the internet, so it's true, they're to, to replicate human Genes. I don't know if that. I, I, I don't know if that's true. But from what I understand, is the mice that we need in the labs are limited in number, and it's not like you can just put them together and make more mice. Is that correct? Yeah. From what I understand, this is admired for but um, they are not regular mice. These are uh, genetically modified mice that are uh, are used for specific purposes in, in testing and treating. I'm sure they have regular mice, but they, I think as as they pass through regular mites and, and it either hurts them or it, 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 they survive it, uh, then uh, then ahead you um, you move on to the next level and see how they do. You move on to the next level, see how they do. You know, you may and the problem, that's why it takes so long to get these things approved because it's a time thing. How do they do it one day? How do they do it seven days? How do they do it thirty days? How do they do it? 365 days. You know, when you add in uh, someone who's had polio virus vaccine and uh, influenza vaccine, do they, is there any cross-contamination? Are they uh, reactivating uh, someone's uh, dormant virus? And there's, So there's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration before we start injecting people's skin. Because you do not want a new health epidemic as a result of trying to treat this one. Right. So there are several companies that are trying to build a vaccine, um, and uh, it remains to be seen who will be most successful. We won't know, but um, there will be one. It will take a matter of time to get it approved, um, and then hopefully when it is approved, it will be available in mass quantities. 
But as of right now, that's not realistic. We have to be cognizant of um, our surroundings, of coughing, of uh, spreading this. And if you are feeling ill or sick, take um, the initiative and make sure you don't have it. That's perfect. That leads me to my last question. I feel you know, like uh, this, Go ahead. this could be a nothing, you know, this, if you, if you come over with something, this could be the regular flu. This could be a simple virus, but it could be this earlier today. There was a report that last night, someone from New York city, uh, got, was about to get on a plane. They received a phone call that what they were dealing with was in fact, coronavirus. They proceeded to get on that plane with 113 or 14 other people and landed about 20 minutes south of me in um, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach. So that was ignorant. Yeah. He put other people's lives in his hand as a result of that. So be cognizant of others. uh, and, 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 And I know you really want to get to wherever you're trying to go, but is it worth all the risk to do so? Right. Right. Well, actually, my boss, my employer had a trip to France planned almost a year in advance. And I'm glad you brought that up. He he and his wife, both young, healthy. All the money in the world, to be honest with you, have two children. And their thought process was they are so intelligent, man. They said, wait a minute, I'm not afraid of going to Europe, getting sick coming back and being sick. I'm afraid of going to Europe and not being able to come back. And like, I mean, it was just remarkable. Like, of course they don't want to get sick. Of course that's, but, but their, their thought process was, well, wait a minute, this is way bigger than just being sick. This is so much bigger than just me being sick. They made the decision literally, literally less than 24 hours before their flight to change their flight to Mexico. And I'm telling you, I was texting him last night. Are you watching the president? Because he was supposed to be in Europe. That man was supposed to be in Europe stuck there for, for quite some time. So that's incredible. You're right. There's, there's a selfishness. He was willing to, to, to keep himself away. He changed all his plans. He had, he had a bunch of money tied up and all kinds of stuff. And, and it was a selfish, a selfless, I'm sorry, move. I think in, he was considering his children. He was considering his, his parents and his grandparents. And he said, wait a minute, this thing doesn't make sense anymore. I've got to change my plans. Now that's a little bit different. I'll say then let's say you were already in Europe and you have to come home. I guess that is a little different, but I agree with what you're saying. Uh, that, 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 well, the yeah. other part of it, you look at it from this way and then we'll, we'll conclude is that, um, if you look at it this way, the, Issue is if he or if she went to Europe and now they got sick, they're at the mercy of the local hospital system. Right. And if they don't speak that language, they don't have insurance, they may, may get uh, subpar care. Right. What if they, all with, quote unquote, all the money in the world, get subpar care because they, uh, they're they vulnerable to what's available to them? Yeah. 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 You know, so... Uh, that just because you have money doesn't mean that they have the resources to take care of you. I you think, can't move. You're not going to build well, a hospital where you are. You I know? agree like, with you. And I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that his concern was more of his family and his children and not being separated. And I mean, it was de- I think it was like all of it, like mixed into one. 
And yeah, the medical care is important. That's a good point to bring up because you're right. It's a different, I don't know what it's like overseas, but it's got to be a different level of care when you're in a different country and you don't speak the language and you have to transfer currency and you may need significant care. Like, I mean, that's a whole different can of worms. I didn't even think about, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, of factors. So uh, this is something like we've never seen as far, I mean, at least the past hundred years. Um, and, and it's, it remains to be seen how this plays out, but, I think shutting it down, unfortunately, is probably going to be the, the next, the safest and best option. Um, you, or you will probably see the uh, and uh, the NHL do this in the next couple of hours. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and at this time, I'm still remaining to be seen what's going on with baseball. Yeah. Um, as of right now, they're still playing. Um, they've already adapted the schedule for the Seattle Mariners. But they don't, um, they don't sweat in baseball, right? I mean, they're outside in the sun. Oh, come on. I'm joking. I'm just joking. I'm just I joking. Mean, uh, but, uh, I mean, I was sweating in the stands last weekend. So I'm sure. I can imagine sure. that they're wearing thicker, I remember, thicker things. That, that they, but, yeah. I remember being at a Cincinnati Reds game, or it might have been a Chicago Cubs game, and I was sitting, like, really low behind home plate, and the sun just cooked me. The sweat joke was just a joke, so sorry about that, but it was just a joke. That's all. What are yeah, some... Yeah, no, I mean, uh, unfortunately, we're going to see any large gatherings really, really recommend to be shut down. Yeah, and it sounds uh, and like... if they don't... They, you know, they're going to be ignorant if they do continue it because it's just going to be really risky. It sounds like that was the recommendation of the White House last night. And whether or not you agree with the, the president, that's fine. But it sounds like the, the White House, the government, the United States government's official recommendation was to avoid large crowds. So that's where we're at. I mean, whether you like them or not, that's a different story for a different day and a totally different podcast. I talk about football, but it sounds like we're at a point where the United States government is saying, hey, Avoid baseball games, avoid basketball games, avoid football games. Don't go to concerts. I mean, limit yourself. That sounds like that's what we're at. What are, so I went to the grocery store this morning. I wanted to get some little things that this is silly, but I, I don't want to become like a doomsday prepper. I'm not buying all the toilet paper they have, but I did, I did want to stock up on a few extra things. What are, what is the mindset that we need to have? when we're out shopping and we, I mean, what's the preparedness level? That's what I'm asking you is what should we be preparing for? I think you know what I'm asking without me asking the right question. So what, um, we should be semi-prepared to uh, not, not be able to do much outside of the house in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, if you are, are on your left, uh, of uh, toilet paper or tissues or um, uh, perishables, that type of stuff. Probably not the worst idea to uh, either pick it up locally or have your friend Amazon deliver it. Um, but um, if you don't need 500 rolls of toilet paper. Like, you can right. get it. I mean, you can get whatever the heck you want. But for every, you know, 20 or 30 uh, more than you, than you need, you're taking from someone else that's they need it, and there's only a finite amount. Um, the other thing is that these stores, um, I think they will continue to keep open uh, pharmacies and 
grocery stores. That will those will be two things that are they're still open. That's the only two things open right now in all of Italy, or at least the regions that are affected. Everything else has been shut down. Okay, so uh, you don't have to worry about stockpiling for weeks or months for food, but have enough stuff for a week or two that you can get by. Good. Good. That's what we'll do. That's what I'll preach. That's what I'll tell my friends. Have enough. Don't take too much. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. I got to take off. I got to call patients to see. Yep. Go take care of them, Doc. You can Bye. reach me at, uh, you can reach me at, at Dr. Jeff North if anybody has any questions. Uh, say it again. Say it again. That was a little muddled. Uh, you can reach me at Dr. Jesse Morse, J-E-S-S-E-M-O-R-S-E. Morse, like the code. Correct. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Everybody stay safe. Yep, stay safe. Take care. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.